0: Are natural disasters a preview of things to come? We think so, and we'll explain why this hour.
1: But behind every one, there's stories, there's hurt, there's pain, and there's a fire that's going to come, that God is going to be in. There's wrath and there's fire that's coming, you guys, and we got a message. What happened in Lahaina is just a taste of what's to come when God comes.
0: Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. Radio for the Remnant brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today, Jan visits with Tim Moore and Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries. We encourage listeners to watch unfolding events and even natural disasters as a warning of the lateness of the hour. God always warns before He sends any judgment. We'll consider that and much more this hour.
1: I mean, amazing the ways that God has shown us. He's with us before this happened. And so floods and storms and winds and fires and doctors and attorneys and all those things. Why does God allow or even send sometimes these things into our lives? Listen, it's because he loves us is the answer. He really loves us and he has plans. And he has plans and he has ways that you and I would never choose on our own. And it just happens that those ways include storms and disaster, and tragedy, and grief, where we learn to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. And it drives us to Him.
2: So glad you can join me for the hour today. We have some, I think, interesting topics to discuss. I want to quickly thank Pastor Mark Henry for sitting in for me. I have been away from the microphone for about three weeks now, so I'm playing a little bit of catch-up here. And all of us watched in shocked horror this would be back in early August when a wildfire destroyed the city of Lahaina in Maui. Heartbroken victims have just experienced what may be the deadliest such fire in modern history. And the expected death toll, I don't think they're ever going to get to an accurate count, but it certainly could be a thousand people. We're going to talk a little bit about that situation. We're going to have other topics to consider for the hour as well. And my guests today include... Two from the ministry, Christ in Prophecy, and that would be Nathan Jones and Tim Moore. And this is a ministry founded by Dave Reagan over 40 years ago. And You've heard David on this program. You've heard the other gentlemen on my program as well. And it's time that I had them on to give sort of an update as it concerns what on earth, the signs of the times, etc. The opening little clip that you heard, both of them introducing the program, that would be Pastor Steve Santos, Calvary Chapel, Lahaina West Side on Maui. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes, then we're moving on to some other issues, but I want to welcome my two guests, Nathan and Tim. Welcome to the program.
3: Thank you very much, Dan. We are delighted to be here. Good to be with you, Jan.
2: Gentlemen, we often hear the word apocalyptic thrown out in our world, a world of catastrophes, yet people really don't know what apocalyptic means, and that is what is outlined in the book of Revelation. And the purpose of this segment is to warn folks to do everything that they can to avoid experiencing the book of Revelation, that is at least chapters 4 through 19. Tim, many wonder today if we aren't in the tribulation now. We're not, and what kind of a case would you make for that?
3: Well, I would say that the people in Maui clearly feel that they have been under tribulation these last several weeks, and we would agree. They are under a little t tribulation. The Bible talks about The Tribulation, capital T Tribulation. And that will be so much worse than anything any of us have experienced because it will be worldwide, it will be absolutely cataclysmic. Yes, little t tribulations have occurred and will continue to occur. They're getting more frequent in intensity as well, but the big and final tribulation is coming soon and very soon.
2: The scenes from Maui, that ordeal began back on August the 8th, And you've said it well, Tim, the scenes there are tribulation-esque for sure. But Nathan, we know that God's wrath is not destined for the believer. That would be the wrath, as Tim says, there's small-T tribulation and there's big-T tribulation. And we know that God's wrath is not destined for believers in that time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week. But Nathan, the illustrations coming out of the book of Revelation as it concerns apocalyptic happenings around the earth are staggering I think part of the purpose of this hour is to plead with people not to stick around and experience that. And there's that little microcosm on Maui, and not that that's small time, but compared to what's coming, there really is no comparison. What do you say?
4: Events like that are meant for the Lord to point us to the fact that His wrath will come onto the earth, and He wants us to bend a knee and repent while the time is short. For those who are saved, we can turn to Revelation 3.10 with the promises, because you have kept my command to persevere. I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. We know that this tribulation time period is coming that Tim was talking about. The Daniel prophesied a seven-year time period where God will pour out 21 of his judgments upon the earth. We're talking about in three and a half years, half the world population yes, dying. Yes. We're talking about a global government. We're talking about plagues and famines demons loosed upon the earth. To answer the question, are we living in the tribulation now? Absolutely not, because I'm not looking outside and seeing armies confiscate my stuff and kill me because I'm a Christian, but that will come to the world during that time period.
2: Let's just relate some of the things that are going to happen. And again, folks, none of this is to scare anybody. It's really to prepare everybody, and that is to have their hearts prepared. The three of us talking this particular hour believe that the church, the believers, are removed from planet Earth before the terrible time of that Daniel 70th week, time of Jacob's trouble. Again, we've got a third of the trees burning in the tribulation. Earth is reeling from natural disasters, not a city, not one country, the entire planet. The sun and the moon are darkened, the water is turned to blood. Tim, pick it up from there. Tell folks what we're reading. Well,
3: what we're reading is clearly the account in Scripture, and you think, well, how do we know this is true? Because it is an eyewitness account by the only person who has an eyewitness to both the distant past and the near and distant future, and that is God Almighty. So when He tells us these things are going to come to pass, we absolutely know we can depend upon His Word and trust Him, and He tells us to be a warning. It's recorded over and over again in Scripture that it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of of the living God that's Hebrews ten 31. we told again and again in Scripture that God has reserved fire for those who have rejected him I could go to 2nd Thessalonians 1 verse 7 and 8 we can go to Hebrews chapter 10 verses 26 and 27 just this morning in our own staff devotional we talked about Isaiah 26 and the Lord says that he protects those who are his but it says the unrighteous he deals with according to their unrighteousness and he says Indeed, fire will devour your enemies. Speaking about the Lord's enemies, this is Isaiah writing. It is a horrific thought to consider that those who reject the true and living God have a future that is more horrible than anything we have ever seen or experienced on this earth. Jesus was clear about the option that he offered. And one of my favorite verses, earlier we were talking before even starting the recording about John 3.16, but most people don't read John 3.36. It says, He who believes in the Son... Has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So, part of our message, Jan, you and those of us here at Lamb and Lion Ministries, is to urge our listeners who have not yet put their trust in Jesus Christ to flee from the wrath to come. That's what John the Baptist asked of some of the scoffing people who came to hear his message. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And so all of this conversation about what we're witnessing, horrible tragedies around the earth today, are just a small scale yeah. sample of what is coming. And we want people to be saved and not to endure that great wrath that will fall.
2: I want to play a short clip here again. It is Pastor Steve Santos, Calvary Chapel Lahaina West Side on Maui because he's describing what happened at least to those very near him.
1: It's still chaos my family my daughter their home was burned granny's house in the front and the two houses in the back where they lived and our family there this property they've had for a hundred years and burned to the ground but with all the other thousands but the sad thing is, they set up a tv thing right across the street because it's just a great photo op man the steps the stone steps to granny's house and i was doing an interview the other day and as they went by in the interview as I was watching on the screen there, and, and it went by Granny's house, and then I, and I couldn't talk. And they're like, I think we lost them, are you there? Pastor Steve, are you there? I'm like, I couldn't talk. Yesterday as we got to the airport to come over here, and we felt guilty, we feel guilty for being here. It's like our family, it's our, it's our town and they're hurting. And we get to the airport, and the TSA guy goes, he looked at our IDs and he goes, are you guys okay? And I go, what? I didn't hear him quite. You know, He goes, are you guys okay? He saw Lahaina. And he, there's no words. And you guys know me. I got words. <laughs> but you guys, I mean, our family, they're fine. They're safe. As far as we know, we didn't lose anybody from our congregation. We have a gal who is, we're told, 65% of her body burned in the hospital over here at Straub. And being with her husband that night when they told him, with no phone service here and there, a little click and you get through and then cuts off, just broken. And then we just got to see her last night and it's not 65%, it's 70% of her body. But they've never seen anybody survive like her. She's a survivor. And we got to see her and crazy, she's breaking every kind of record. Usually 50% of your body burned, you don't live. Your brain gives up, all of that. But please talk with her like I'm talking to you right now. She's a hero, by the way. Lori Allen is a hero, and she's got birds trying to save people.
2: If you just join me, you're listening to Understanding the Times Radio, Jan Markell. I'm so pleased to have on the line Tim Moore, Lamb Lion Ministries, and Nathan Jones. You can find more information at ChristinProphecy.org. And find out where their outstanding TV program is featured. Nathan, what are the primary networks you are on?
4: Well, you can find us on Daystar or CTN. We are also a number of online ones. A lot of folks watch us on his channel, and we're also on the Appray.com. and you can come right to our YouTube channel, which is Christ and Prophecy, and go to our website, ChristandProphecy.org. We have, oh my, we're on our 21st season. We have about 20 years' worth of TV shows you can watch, <laughs> podcasts as well.
2: And I've been privileged to be a guest on the program a couple of times. That's a wonderful, wonderful outreach. So I just want to say, and we're probably going to be moving on, but the purpose of this first segment I wanted to feature at least a few minutes because I've been away from the microphone, so I have not been able to talk about Maui, which I think was an apocalyptic-type event, and that is considering that what happens in the book of Revelation, it defies description. We can't adequately explain or describe it, and there's a microcosm of it all manifest on the island of Maui first week of August. According to the Bible... The seven-year period called the Tribulation is actually divided into two halves. And in the first half, the Antichrist appears to be the great benefactor and protector and friend of Israel. But in the middle of that seven-year period, he will turn against the people of Israel and begin desolating it severely. And that's why Jesus called the second half the Great Tribulation. So many apocalyptic, truly apocalyptic things take place, both first half and second half of the tribulation outlined in the book of Revelation. And I think, gentlemen, more than ever, it is a comfort that believers will not experience this. Just hearing Pastor Steve Santos give that two minutes, and then you mushroom that two minutes that we just heard by 10 million times, and that's why we're sounding the warning this hour. I think you would agree, Nathan.
3: I would agree, Mrs. Tim, but I would contrast what people tried to do in Maui with what they will not be able to do according to Revelation. We know in Maui, people fled into the ocean. They tried to flee from the fire. They stood in the water. Many of them drowned just trying to escape the yes. fire. But Revelation chapter 6, in the midst of the tribulation, not the second half as some people like to claim, Jan, yep. and you just made a great point. The whole thing is the tribulation, those seven years. But it says the kings of the earth, great men, commanders, rich, strong, everyone hides themselves in caves and in the rocks of the mountains because they realize they are being subjected to the wrath of the Lamb. There was no doubt. When the Big T Tribulation starts, the whole world will recognize that it is the wrath of Jesus Christ. And again, what a horrific thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We warn people today to flee from the wrath to come and into the loving arms of our Savior right now.
4: And that's what natural disasters are meant to do. As they increase in frequency and intensity, they point us to the soon return of Jesus Christ, and they're meant to get us down on our knees and call out. I'm a volunteer with the Texas Baptist men and many were activated to go to Maui. They can't go into Maui because they become more of a burden than actually helping, but the gospel is flooding into that island. And Hawaii, is, I've read, is one of the least Christian states in the country, and now the gospel is coming in. So these produce great opportunities for the gospel to come in, get people saved, and have them raptured before the tribulation begins.
3: This even ties in, Jan, I think you would agree, to the Jewish people. When they come to the end of themselves, They will look upon him whom they have pierced. They will cry out, Baruch Ababa Shem Adonai, blessed is he who comes and already came in the name of the Lord. Sometimes in tragedy, the Lord uses those mechanisms to drive people to the end of themselves. And thankfully, many turn to him. Some do not. And that's a tragedy. Billy Graham said, the same sun that melts the butter hardens the clay. But God's purpose is to call people to himself. And sometimes in these tragedies, they find him. And that's our prayer for all the people of Maui.
2: And I think another point I want to make, and thank you, Tim, is that these tragedies, it's not limited to Maui, folks. I wish it were just in a few isolated places on the planet. But in the last year, they had a month of rain drenching Europe. It fell on parts of Slovenia. In a single day, they had a month's rain. China experienced devastating floods. Crops throughout the region were completely wiped out. The property damage that has been done is completely off the charts. Devastating heat has tormented millions of people around the world, hail-pounded Germany, fires called apocalyptic infernos going on all over the planet. We could cite several countries where that's happening. This and much more as we're in a run-up to the rapture, which is going to be the ultimate apocalyptic event. But the earth is groaning. That's all we're making the point this hour. Earth is absolutely groaning. And there's one other point I want to make here before we move on to a different topic. And I wrote about this in our fall print magazine. It comes out this week. Folks, if you'd like to receive that, you can sign up on my website, olivetreeviews.org. I wrote this. It's just four short paragraphs. And it's talking about the importance of sharing the gospel. If more Hawaiians, quite frankly, knew the gospel... They would run from what would have to be called their pagan gods. Between the paganism of some of the Hawaiian leaders and their leftist woke ideology, people needlessly perished in Hawaii back on August 8th, they didn't turn the water on. Things burned and they told landowners they couldn't use water to fight the fires while the fires were still small. Is it because they believed that water was sacred and we must worship the water? yes. Governor Josh Green stated there's a great deal of water conflict on Maui. He says people have been fighting against the release of water to fight fires. Here's the bottom line. Pagan Hawaiian culture believes they must worship water, not life. This is not climate change, folks. It's not global warming. It's not carbon emissions. This is left-wing ideologues with pagan beliefs that allowed the island to burn. Folks, liberalism is demonic. That's what's behind this and the devil. There is blood on the hands of the water worshipers. Christianity, thank God, broke us free of pagan slavery, of superstition, and of reckless ideology. The point of that little article that I wrote, it's in our fall magazine, sign up online or call my office. The point of this all is share the gospel. If more in Maui knew the gospel, particularly the one who withheld the water because we have to worship it, This never would have happened. Please, while there's time, share the gospel. Gentlemen, I'm moving on to another topic, and that is I want to play a brief clip, and it's of Dr. Michael Brown. This is not a clip to pick on, Michael. I know him well. He and I disagree on a lot, but the point is he's going to make a statement, and I want to come back and talk about it because he's going to say he doesn't see anything going on right now that would lead him to believe these could be the last days. In the same
5: way, I look at the world and I look at how much of the task still remains, the great commission, 2 billion, maybe 3 billion people on the planet have never heard the name of Jesus. Let alone had a conception of who he is and what he did and why he died on the cross and our need for God because of sin. They've not heard that message explicitly. They may recognize something's wrong in their lives, but you could talk to them about Jesus. They could say, Oh, I don't know him. Maybe he lives down the street or I never heard of that place. Where is that? In other words, Have you said it to them in a way that was understandable in the language? They don't know what the sounds mean. God's not just going to suddenly take us out when that's the case. When Jesus prayed for our unity and we are so deeply divided on so many points, when there's so many areas where we have to grow into who Jesus calls us to be and intends us to be, as I read the word and as I read about signs that would precede his coming or warnings or things in the world, I don't see us as anywhere near the point of his return. Now, things could turn quickly, right? An acceleration could come in so many ways. And suddenly, what would normally take 30 years could happen in three years. I welcome that. So be it. But we will know as we're getting closer. It will be clear. It will be obvious that we're getting closer to the end as opposed to, boom, we're just gone. I don't see that scripturally. I don't see that in the nature of God.
2: Nathan, I find it intriguing that such an intelligent scholar as Dr. Michael Brown is cannot see that the church age is rapidly drawing to a close and that there are obviously warning signs God is sending, including Maui. But we've got a lot of things going on. We've got things going on now that we haven't had in 100 years and maybe never, including the rush to global government, decline in the culture, the digital money coming, apostasy in the church. I could list a hundred things, artificial intelligence, all of this screaming at us that the church age is coming to a close, the tribulation is on the horizon, and yet we have millions of church people thinking exactly like Dr. Brown just suggested. I don't see anything happening.
3: Nothing to see here.
2: Nothing to see.
4: A lot of it has to do with what's called prophetic Mm -hmm. perspective. A prophet would give a prophecy and he'd look across the valley and he'd see the two tops of the mountains coincide and not see the valley that would lie in between. For instance, when Jesus was in Luke 21 and Matthew 24, when the apostles asked him, after Jesus had explained that the temple would fall, they said, well, when is this gonna happen? And what's the signs of the end of the age and of your return? They didn't realize that they were asking three separate questions for three separate time periods. So Jesus answered with 10 signs that we could look at that would increase like birth pangs and frequency intensity, false messiahs, wars, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, fearful events, signs in the sky, persecution, attacks, the fall of Jerusalem, and eventually the return of Christ. These things increased in frequency and intensity up until the temple fell, which we knew happened in 70 AD. But the prophetic perspective means that Jesus wasn't just answering before the temple fell, which is where preterists stopped. He went on to the end of the age, the end of the church age, that these signs would increase in frequency and intensity as well. But they would reach their climax during the tribulation, and the tribulation leading up to Christ's return at the end Would be the fulfillment of the tenth sign, the return of Christ, which didn't happen in the two previous eras. It depends on one's prophetic perspective. I love Michael Brown. I love reading his articles on townhall.com, but it's like he's got blinders on. He only sees one valley instead of two.
2: He's referencing in that clip and others, talking about unity in the body. We have to have that before the Lord can return, that the gospel has to be preached everywhere, and that's going to happen in the tribulation. And I think. Tim Moore, there is a group of Christians today, and I don't want to be hypercritical here, but they really are earth-focused. They see revival in our time. I think you and I would see revival coming in the tribulation, for sure. They see Christian unity in our time. I don't think you and I think that's going to be possible. The false prophet will bring about some unity. But there's things that we're eager to leave behind, and there seems to be some folks who want to stick around and do some more constructive things on this planet.
3: I would agree with Nathan. I also appreciate Michael Brown. I mean, he and I have interacted and he's a delightful man and I'm grateful for him. I do disagree strongly with him on this point. It sounds almost like a post-millennial expectation that we will save the world. The church will ascend to a position of prominence. Everyone will have received the gospel, at least heard it. And then we can hand over the keys of the kingdom to Jesus when he just happens to show up. And that is completely false. I think there are so many signs. I mean, open your eyes and look about you, or open the eyes of your heart, so to speak. We have witnessed just within our lifetimes, at least mine, the Jewish people in Israel coming back in possession of their ancient homeland and their capital city. So we can see that the time of the Gentiles relative to Jerusalem is passing. We see a rise in apostasy within the church, which is exactly what Scripture talks about in the end times. And I'm not a doom and gloomer. All of these things, as Adrian Rogers used to preach, give indication that the world is getting gloriously dark. You say, well, are you celebrating the darkness? No, I'm not. I regret and I mourn the darkness, but it indicates that Jesus is at the very gates of heaven and that he is coming soon. One of the speakers that we had at our most recent conference talked about how every people group within this year or next year will have received the gospel. And does that mean every individual? No. But all of the languages, all the tribes, tongues, and nations will have been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know the timing of the Lord's return. Only the Father does. But I think all the signs point to the reality that it is soon and very soon.
2: Nathan, you want
4: to weigh into that, please? Israel is the super sign. It's there. What nation comes back to life after being dead for 1,900 years? And it's the God of the Bible. And many of the prophecies that go around the tribulation require Israel to be a nation again. So that's pretty huge. We read about the final phase, the seventh phase of the church, the Church of Laodicea. And what is the Church of Laodicea? It's apathetic. It's almost heretical. It thinks it's rich, but it's poor spiritually. And we're living in that time, too. We actually have an article on our website called 50 Reasons Why We're Living in the End Times by Dr. David Reagan. And he gives just 50 of the signs the point to soon return and I hope Dr. Brown does read that article at some point because the signs are swirling around us so much that we now have another sign an overarching sign and that's called convergence all these signs all at once happening now converging together point to the fact that Jesus is returning soon
3: I think there's an important point to make that it doesn't matter whether we understand it doesn't matter whether we're looking for Jesus he is coming back and there will be many people surprised but there's a promise of a crown of righteousness for those who are eagerly awaiting his return. And Nathan and I, you, Jan, we don't advocate sitting off on a mountain waiting for the Lord. We want to be urgent about evangelism, as you've already mentioned. We want to be intentional about holy living and, yes, keeping our eyes on Christ. Everything we point to is to get busy because Jesus is coming soon.
2: Talking to Tim Moore, Nathan Jones, Lamb and Lion Ministry, ChristandProphecy.org. Tim, you've got a Israel trip coming up in June. Why don't you give it a minute commercial here?
3: We would be delighted if any of your listeners would like to join us. We go a time or two a year to Israel, typically on a Footsteps of Jesus tour, seeing some of the sites and places that Jesus actually ministered there in the Promised Land. In June of this next year, 2024, I'll be leading a trip called the Battle for Israel Pilgrimage co-hosted by Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who used to command the United States Army's Delta Force. So he will be a great asset to us as we consider how God has protected and provided for his people all throughout the ages. This is not a military history tour. It is one that will visit battle sites, whether they are actual battles from the past, spiritual battle sites like Golgotha, and things that will happen in the future, for instance, in the Valley of Armageddon or the Jezreel Valley it points to our soon-coming King, Jesus Christ. And we'd be delighted for anyone that is listening to join us on June 22nd through July 3rd, and all the information is available at our
2: website. org. folks. When I get back, we're going to talk a little bit about those pesky things in the sky called UFOs. And we've talked about it on this program before, and I don't think we can talk about it too much because I think they're another sign that things are winding down. We'll explain why when we come back in just a minute or two. Don't go away.
0: We hope you'll stay in touch with us online through Olivetreeviews.org. That's Olivetreeviews.org. You can call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. Write us through the mail at Olive Tree Ministries and Jan Markell, Post Office Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. That's Post Office Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. All gifts are tax deductible. In the age of fake news and false teaching, thank you for trusting Olive Tree Ministries and Understanding the Times Radio. In today's unstable culture, we need the wealth of wisdom available in the book of Daniel, which teaches us to live boldly and joyfully for the Lord, even in the most difficult circumstances. Through Daniel, you'll discover what it means to stand for righteousness in a world filled with compromise. We are pleased to offer Todd Hampson's timely new book, The Nonprofit's Guide to the Book of Daniel, Here is another book of the Bible that many church pulpits shy away from. Find it in our online store, olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. Or call our office at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. We charge no shipping in the U.S. or Canada. Todd Hampson's new book, The Nonprofit's Guide to the Book of Daniel, will help you be able to understand our times in a new way.
4: The Lord is so merciful and so loving because He wants everyone meant to be saved during the church age to be saved. And the world can go to pot around us, but Christ's love is there calling His sheep to Him. And that's the beauty of our savior that's a savior worth following worth surrendering our lives to worth being saved by
0: we know you can't always be by a radio so if you miss a program visit our website olivetreeviews.org that's olivetreeviews.org and then go to radio where we feature both the audio and video version of our program you can also catch the program at oneplace.com on our rumble or youtube channel and on his channel, Christian TV. Now, here are Jan Markell, Tim Moore, and Nathan Jones to wrap up today's programming.
3: I will say this as an Air Force Colonel, there is technology out there that would blow most people's minds. Even when I was briefed into top secret programs back in the early nineties, we were amazed at what could happen then and i would tell people when this is declassified somewhere in the 2020s or 2030 folks will say wow we can do that and the answer will be no we could do that 30 years ago so there are some phenomenal things that happen but more impressive than all the high tech is the wonder the awesomeness of our great god and savior and so don't be distracted keep your focus on jesus christ
4: absolutely and know the destiny of demons it says God says, depart from me, you are cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. All this wickedness and evil will eventually be dealt with by Jesus Christ when he returns. The evil will be sent to hell and those who are with Christ, who have accepted him as Savior, will rule and reign with him forever. And so this will come to an end. These unidentified flying objects will be identified, but right now, keep your focus on the Bible and Jesus Christ and you won't be deceived.
2: Welcome to part two of the program, and I'm so honored to have two guests with me today from Lamb Lion Ministries in Texas, and they would be Nathan Jones and the gentleman who is the successor to Dr. Dave Reagan, and that would be Colonel Tim Moore. And I happen to grab that clip on many of the Prophecy and Perspective videos that they produce. They also have a half-hour TV program on many of the major networks, and they're discussing something we've talked about on this program, thus I'm limiting the time of the discussion of it. But It's a topic for such a time as this, and that is what on earth is in the sky. And Tim, you just made a statement in that little clip, as you and Nathan were talking about this UFO invasion, that there is technology out there that my listeners would be blown away by. And I concluded in listening to the full prophecy perspective that you guys produced, that there are things that are we intentionally being left out about what the military has available today. What did you mean by that?
3: I certainly think that there are programs that are so classified that the average person, and dare I say, Jan, even the average lawmaker has no idea. And the government has long practiced all sorts of deceptions, giving out false stories to cover up the real truth. And that is part and parcel of military operations ongoingly. I can tell you how, even when we were getting ready to launch a mission just with aircraft, we would do things that anybody watching the base would have been misled in what our real intentions were. So that happens all the time. There are things that people have witnessed that cannot be explained by military programs. They are truly unknown. And I accept that. I don't know what they are. I don't think any of us do. And one of these days, we'll find out, but probably not anytime soon.
2: Nathan, you say this, and I'm quoting you here. So when it comes to UFOs, are we talking about little green men, say, from the planet Mars? No, it doesn't seem so. You say, but what we are most likely experiencing is demonic in nature. And so as pilots get higher and higher up into the stratosphere, which is really high up, possibly we are encountering these beings of the air. And then you say, could it be that with our modern sensing equipment coupled with our ability to travel higher in the sky which we've only been able to do for a 100 years or so, that we are actually encountering angelic or demonic spirits. I think, Nathan, that's absolutely slam dunk, almost no-brainer, that what we're experiencing is an invasion of the demonic world. And I'm so glad you gentlemen are talking about this.
4: It's funny because Lamb and Lion Ministries tends to stick to the Bible and not to yeah. what we call sensationalist Bible prophecy. But how can you not address the fact that people are seeing all these things high up in the sky, I remember Jesus when he's talking about unclean spirits in Matthew 12, 43. He called them spirits of the air. They're evil spirits. They dwell in the high places like the mountains. We have only been able to get up in the sky for the last hundred or so years. Could it be that now we are up there where they dwell? And do we have the capability technologically the same? I don't know. I don't think so biblically because... Take, for instance, a lot of people confuse Elijah's fiery chariot, 2 Kings 2.11, say, well, that's a UFO, but the Lord needed to give Elisha, his servant, the ability to see that. So does it mean that as we get close to the Lord's return, the Lord is giving us the ability to see the spirit world? That's the big question right now.
2: Tim, you call this a distraction, and I'm with you there, and you suggest that, look, we've got nothing but embarrassment going on in our nation's capital from the top almost on down perhaps the administration is trying to get our mind and our focus and our eyes off of them, but they're not necessarily orchestrating things in the sky. So I'm not sure how they could be orchestrating a distraction, though I agree with you. It is an embarrassment with what's happening with our leaders right now.
3: Well, it certainly is. Yeah, I will say this. I was reading one of C.S. Lewis's articles recently. Right at the beginning of the space age, C.S. Lewis wrote about the satellites. He called it religion and rocketry. And his supposition was that We are not alone in the universe. He asked the question, are we alone in the universe? His answer was, no, of course not. We know that there are angels and demons. There are other beings. Most of the time we can't see them, but sometimes we have and can. So he says it would be complete audacity for us to think we're the only creatures in the universe because God has told us about the angelic and the demonic realm. When I say a distraction, I just go back to think about a group a few years ago that got so animated about the possibility that a spaceship was going to take them off the Earth that they committed mass suicide to be able to go and join that UFO. And I think how tragic that is, because the true source of salvation is Jesus Christ. And yet they latched on some false hope of a UFO. Right now, many people get very animated about this, and yet they are missing the most important truth, and that is the gospel of Christ that we've been talking about all day, a distraction that Satan will use. I'm not saying that anyone in our own government even has the wherewithal to pull all these things off, but Satan wants to take our eyes off Jesus Christ and put it onto anything else that would run us down a dead-end trail.
2: I want to play one clip on this topic. It happens to be our dear friend, Pastor Billy Crone. He's being interviewed on One American News, and I appreciate OAN even having not only an interest in this, but the host clearly is very Christian-friendly here as she interviews Pastor Billy Crone on the topic. And I believe he even talked about it when we brought him here almost a year ago now.
6: This has been going on for quite some time. Again, it's warming people up for decades. Hollywood's been a big part of that. But the governments around the world, they're doing the soft disclosure and things of that nature. But I also believe that this could be used as well to help the global elites do what they want to do. And this is on record. They want to take over the world. So if you're going to take over the world, then you need some sort of global crisis right, to freak people out in unison, in mass, shock and awe. And then, see, this is why we all got to band together and work together and, and things of that nature. So I think that this narrative could also be used to do just that because that's how they operate. They create a crisis. They manage the outcome. People are more apt to surrender their freedoms in a time of fear than a time of peace. So that would be a global crisis. And again, if you actually have on TV actual so-called these guys popping out, except you don't say that they're demons, you say, oh, there's aliens from another world, how many people you know would fall for it? And then they would say, you know what? And this is on tape. I don't know if you ever saw this. Ronald Reagan, believe it or not, back in the day, in one of his speeches, I've got this on tape, he actually said, and he was talking about the conflict with the United States and Russia at the time. He said how quick we would lay down our differences and we would all instantly be united if we had a common experience, like with aliens from another world landing on planet Earth. So even he said that it could be used as a tool with that nature. But I got to show this real quick. Again, I came out of the occult, and if you don't think that these things are explanation to explain away the rapture of the church, these are messages, these are actual messages that I still have in my library behind me from these people who are, quote, receiving messages from these so-called aliens. And listen to what they're saying. This is real quick. There will be great shiftings within humanity on this planet. It will seem like chaos and turmoil is forming, nations rising against nature, earthquakes more frequently. That's no big shakes. That's in the Bible. It's been there for 2,000 years. But they said this. The people who leave the planet during the time of the Earth changes do not fit here any longer. They are stopping the harmony of the Earth. When the time comes, perhaps 20 million people leave the planet at one time. There will be a tremendous shift in consciousness for those who are remaining. And just one more real quick. And this is what the aliens are telling them to tell the rest of us. Our rescue ships will be able to come in close enough at that twinkling of an eye. This will be the method of evacuation. There will be many visits from galaxies and interdimensional beings to rescue people. Quote, some will never die on earth. These missing people have been taken. They went off in a liftoff in the UFOs. Uh-huh. And I remember reading that as a new ager, a non-Christian, and it wasn't only until after I got saved and I read the book that I used to scoff about, and I'm going like, wait a second, this is a perfect excuse for the rapture of the church. And so if we're getting close to that event, the rapture, and if they're going to use this as an excuse... Allison, what should we expect in the news? They're going to start admitting it more and more. And that's exactly what's happening right now.
2: Nathan, what I find intriguing about the whole UFO phenomenon is now there have been sightings for literally a 100 years, but here's where it really picked up. And that would have been in about 1947, 1948. And since then, it's been simply exponential increase, which begs the question, if these are demons, and I think we're all in agreement that this is a demonic situation going on here, did the demonic world know that in 4748 something phenomenal happened, and that is the rebirth of the nation of Israel, and they knew they had to put some steam into their game? You nailed it absolutely right. We go to Ephesians 6:12,
4: 12, where we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of witness where in the heavenly places in the skies." So again and again, we're told that there's a spiritual world behind all the evil. And Jan, as we follow politics in the media, the global concerted effort to destroy Donald Trump, the global concerted effort to marginalize countries like Uganda for speaking out against homosexuality. It's like the unveiling as the book of Revelation is, the unveiling has begun already. We haven't of course reached the tribulation, but the spiritual world feels very empowered to step right on stage and show themselves. And there's two things that I totally agree with Billy there. I've long heard that the New Age movement is looking forward to Christians leaving this planet mm-hmm. so humanity can evolve. But not only we we have the UFO scare, but it's doubled with the climate change scare. So one, Satan probably knows the Bible better than most Christians. They can't see the future. Now, folks, remember, the demons cannot see the future. They only know what the Bible prophesies about the future. They know it's coming. So how do you explain away the, the rapture? UFOs. How do you explain the need to have a global government that controls a crisis and fix the world? Climate change. We've got both of those delusions right now.
3: Yes, we do. Bill made a great point, even with the 1985 Geneva summit between Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev. And they couldn't agree on much, but they did agree that if an alien invasion took place, they'd put down all their differences and unite against that. Nathan's exactly right. This is setting the world up for an explanation And that is part of the deluding spirit that Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians 2.11. What happened to all these so-called Christians? What used to be called troublers? I love what King Ahab said to Elijah. He called him a troubler of Israel. Well, I tell Christians, you are troublers of the United States and every other place you live if you are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the world will be glad to be rid of us, but how does it get explained? This becomes an explanation as they embrace a deluding idea it is setting us up for the very end times and the rapture of the church.
2: If you just join me, you're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. Jan Markell here. I have on the line from Texas, two of the movers and shakers behind the wonderful ministry, Lamb Lion Ministries. I have Tim Moore and Nathan Jones. And we're commenting on some issues of the day. You can learn more at ChristinProphecy.org, ChristinProphecy.org. I'm taking a little bit of an unusual turn, Tim and Nathan. and. This was addressed real briefly when Mark Henry filled in for me, and he was interviewing paranormal expert Joe Martin Rishi, and it was on a situation that my hometown, which has become an embarrassment, Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes, 10,000 taxes, and 10,000 terrorists, and 10,000 weird things that go on here. We have talked about, and I've written about this, and now Terry James came out with a wonderful article on it, and that is our Walker Arts Center in Minneapolis. I'm ashamed to say they have come out with, this happened about a month ago, and my hunch is it's going to be a regular activity, and it is a practice where you can bring your kids to the Walker Art Center, at least for this one occasion, now past, and you can summon up demons. I wrote about it. Let me just read what Terry James writes about it. He says this, We are coming for your children is a chant that has been at the center of some elements within LBGTQ movement for a number of years. They sometimes claim the chant is done just to make fun of stiff-necked religionists, especially Christians, who oppose the freedom to live without some deity's restrictive morals. And then Terry goes on to say in his article, And from the story coming out of Minneapolis, we are apparently expected to believe the playful demon summoning session is to further the fun poking. However, the ceremony is, I believe, opening the portals of the demonic realm even wider. That opening is exposed by the ratcheted up activity of wickedness here and across the world. I'll read one more paragraph. Terry says, What is mind-boggling is that parents would actually even playfully bid demons to interact with their children. This is the point to which Satan has been able to delude these parents and others into believing the demon world is just a myth, something to consider as fodder for foisting spoofs. This demonic ploy can thus convince people that because he, Satan, is a myth, God must be too. And then the last, seems to me the devil is making significant inroads in bringing about such deception. Take, for example, how Satan has convinced doctors, school boards, teachers, and even parents in some cases to embrace the transgender madness. Now, all of this was under his article, We Are Coming for Your Children. And I'm just reminded, Nathan and Tim, that the Bible says that the last days will be as the days of Noah. But the question is, how much is God going to allow to happen, particularly when it comes to harming the least of these and the most innocent, our children, to the point where Walker Arts Center, which is an attraction literally around the world here in Minneapolis, has an activity which will probably come regular activity to teach children how to summon the demons. Nathan, your thoughts?
4: If you go to a prison and you talk to any prisoners, who's at the bottom of the barrel? It's the child molesters. When we look at Sodom and Gomorrah, what do you have? Open rape gangs. When people ask us at our ministry here, how far can society devolve before the Lord steps in? we've reached it. I read that same article. Terry is just such a master of words. He says, I use the word satanic because it is Satan who places the ideas from which these perversions flow into activity that is meant to take children's innocence. And then he says this, and this blew my mind. The devil's war against the most innocent, the little ones, might just be the straw that breaks the camel's yes. back. This might be the one indicator of just how near the rapture might be to taking place. That was really eye-opening for me.
2: I, agree. I think
3: it's happening in more places than you would imagine. So you mentioned Minneapolis and how woke and progressive and leftist it has become as a city. Most big cities are but in my home state of Kentucky in small rural towns and school districts. There are people who are so given over to the LGBTQ agenda that they are telling kids to transition. But don't tell your parents and individual teachers are refusing to tell their parents. And you think, well, I thought that was just happening in crazy places like California or New York. No, it's everywhere. The spirit of demonic deception is all over. People ask, what do you think the next shoe to drop will be? Because look how far we've fallen. I think it will be a push for children to have complete autonomy from their parents, allowing them to choose to be in a sexual relationship with an adult. There are organizations that have made this their agenda for a long time. And I used to say that, and people say, oh, I can't imagine. It's happening right now. The United Nations is trying to push for childhood autonomy, even from their parents. And so Satan is relishing this moment when he is stirring the pot with wickedness all around the world.
4: Look what happened in Uganda. So Uganda passed an Anti-Homosexuality Act for the purpose of protecting children from being sodomized by adults. What happened? The World Bank and the IMF, Refuses now to give any more loans to Uganda until they change that law. The law to protect children from being sodomized, raped by adults, is offensive to the World Bank and the IMF. And who is the major supporters of those? It's the United States. That means that you've got United States powers and politicians answering to demonic forces that are then coming and blacklisting countries and refusing them finances because they're trying to protect children from gay rape. To me. That is a playbook right out of the tribulation.
2: Right out of the tribulation. We're in a run-up to that tribulation. The stage is being set for the tribulation. But see, I never thought I would see the day when this would be so blatant. I had to wonder if America today, or the Western world for that matter, is actually worse than the days of Noah. When I would wonder why on earth God is delaying the rapture of the church and the destruction of the wicked, I say, come Lord Jesus, because enough is enough. This story, and folks, I covered it in my fall magazine. We happen to read here from Terry James, but I wrote it up in my fall magazine. If you'd like to get that, I believe it's out here very, very soon. Sign up online or call my office Monday through Friday, and we'd be glad to help you. But gentlemen, I appreciate you commenting on this. I just couldn't set this article and this issue aside. It was briefly addressed in a previous recording, but I'm so troubled by it. And what does the Bible say about harming children? better tie a millstone around these people who are coming against our children. I want to ask you one other question here as our hour is winding down. Nathan, what do you see as the primary eschatological sign not necessarily being fulfilled, but certainly picking up steam and kind of moving to the center of the stage? And we're winding down 2023. It's going to close pretty soon. What would you look back on this year and comment on? Real
4: quick, let me answer the last question you asked and go to 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow concerning His promise, in other words, to return, as some count some us, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why hasn't the Lord come back yet? Because the last person who needs to get saved during the church age has yet to be saved. We need to reach out and get that last person, and then the Lord will come. I would say the fires in Maui, the fires in Greece, all the natural disasters you talked about, that if you had to pick one of the many signs converging around us, I would pick the fearful events, the natural signs, the signs of weather, that the Lord is punishing the earth to wake people up. And when things are bad, when you've lost everything, you turn to Jesus Christ. And he is trying to get people saved. And as terrible as these disasters are, he's using us to bring us to him. So I would say that's the number one sign for me for 2023. Tim
2: Moore, what's your thought?
3: Well, I can't disagree with Nathan. There has been a dramatic rise in the frequency and intensity of the natural signs. I think the one that has troubled my heart more than any other is the rise in lawlessness. We see people in flash mobs robbing stores, shoplifting, looting, and there's not even any prosecution in many of the cities and the states. The rule of law has absolutely broken down, and we will not easily regain that. I think that is an indication that society is coming apart at the seams. Just as you mentioned earlier, Jan, about the days of Noah, what was the days of Noah marked by? They were marked by absolute wickedness and evil. There was lawlessness in that day and age, and so we're seeing that before us. It can be a sign of gloominess, but I think Christians need to be encouraged. You said, come, Lord Jesus, I'm ready for him. I was ready for him 20 years ago, and my only comment is I'm glad I'm not the one who decides when Jesus comes because he would have been here already. And there are people listening to this broadcast today who would have been left behind if it was up to Tim Moore when Jesus comes back. Thankfully, it's up to the Father, and he knows the perfect right time, and I accept that. I trust him because I want everyone who can be to be saved, to go and meet our glorious God and Savior in the sky when he calls us. The last thing I guess I'd say to our listeners, even regarding the children, I always point to Psalm 73, where Asaph, as the psalmist, had a period of despondency. He was very depressed, but he wisely realized he should not give voice to that depression, lest he betray the generation of your children. Some of the things that are taking place in our world today, Christians must speak up. We must speak up as salt and light and hold back the darkness as long as possible because there are children who can be saved if we will advocate for godly laws, principles, and stand for Christ even in this present darkness.
2: Nathan, you used a term earlier in the program that you were highlighting, which is so important. And again, we're looking at major signs of the times here. Use the word convergence. Why don't you explain, first of all, what is that? And why did you use it? Because it's so appropriate as we wind this hour down. For the many years
4: I've been on Christ and Prophecy with Dr. Reagan, we always talked about Israel as the super sign. And then one day we had Dr. Ron Rhodes as our guest, yeah. and Ron Rhodes rolled out his view about convergence, this idea that you could have different signs at different time periods and that they've been increasing over the decades, but to have all the 10 signs the Lord lists there in Luke 21 and Matthew 24 and other signs happening all at once, that's a convergence of the signs, and it becomes a sign bigger than even, say, the sign of Israel. Now, it took Dr. Reagan and I a little bit to go, ah, there's something to it. But since then, so many of the Bible prophecy teachers have picked up on that because It's true. All the signs are converging all at once. It's like the heavens are screaming, get ready. Jesus Christ is coming
3: soon.
2: Tim, you put out what I consider the best printed item out there, and that's your six times a year magazine. How can folks get a hold of that?
3: If they go to our website, christenprophecy.org they can order that magazine. You can also read it electronically, so many prefer a print version, but we do make it available for free as our electronic version. Nathan sends those out and makes it available to over 100,000 subscribers electronically.
2: Is there anything you gentlemen would like to sum up? I've got a couple minutes left. Nathan, any final thoughts? By the way, thank you so much. I've enjoyed conversing with you both. But Nathan, do you have anything as a parting thought?
4: Thank you, Jan. I love being on your program. We love you. We love having you on. I hope you do come back and join us on our own programs. I'd like to reiterate one more point, the fact that we're all waiting. I hear every day, and tied into social media, Christians saying, why, Lord? Yes. Why, Lord? Why haven't you come back? How worse can it get? Second Peter 3, 9 tells us it's because of the Lord's mercy. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord is so mm-hmm. merciful and so loving because he wants everyone meant to be saved during the church age to be saved. And the world can go to pot around us. But Christ's love is there calling his sheep to him. And that's the beauty of our Savior. That's a Savior worth following, worth surrendering our lives to, worth being saved by. I
2: want to go out here with the saying I often use. Someone wrote to me recently by email and said, Jen, you haven't used this for a while. Would you please use it again? I'm going to honor their request right now and go out of the program reading this. When the time was right, the sea parted, the walls fell down, the lions went hungry, the sun stood still. The waves were calm, the stone was rolled away, the clouds were parted, the Lord ascended. And when the time is right, the king of kings will return. God is never early and he's never late. He's always right on time and his plan for you is good. That's what I want you to remember from this hour. Folks, we have talked about some troubling things, including the seduction of children, which is about the darkest topic you can talk about. And yet God has a plan. He's got a plan for the ages. He's got a plan for you and his plan for you is good. He wants you to be in line so that you can better understand his plan of the ages, which is for Jesus to come back and rescue us, take us home to heaven for seven short years, and then bring us back to this earth for the thousand years of Jesus Christ ruling on planet earth, followed by the new heavens and the new earth. That's the plan, and that's the plan when it says his plan for you is good. Better than that, his plan for you is perfect. I want to thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again next week.
1: We'll sing
0: forever, bowing before you. Contact us through our website, olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. Call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. We get our mail when you write to Olive Tree Ministries and Jan Markell, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. That's box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. All gifts are tax deductible. Remember that his eye is on the sparrow, but you are engraved on the palm of his hand. Nothing is out of control as God is always in control, but he allows all things to happen so that everything can fall into place.